Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, we promised everyone daily pods. We know everyone's going to hold us to it. Here we are. We're recording at 1030 Eastern, 830 Mountain Time. Just got back from the NFL's opening night. Rube, that was a lot. Yeah, it's it's hard to describe if you know if you've seen the videos, it's total chaos. Uh, how many fans were in there? This a lot. This is an NBA arena, the Footprint Center, which I guess is formerly the America West Center, I think. Um, so it's an NBA arena, and the stands, the the the, the seats were half full. Uh, the whole bottom of the yeah, bowl the, was the full. bowl was full, um, and and then you have a thousand media, and. Tyree Jackson <laughs> and and all the Eagles players and coaches, owner Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman, and it's utter chaos. There's there's music blaring. There's celebrities that I don't know running around doing interviews. There are people doing interviews. I had no idea who they were. Um, players interviewing media. We'll get to that. There's uh, yeah. It's so you know you go in there trying to get some good information, but it's like this total circus, and it's. It's a lot to it's a lot to process. Yeah, I get claustrophobic. I do too. It, it, it was a struggle in there for a little while. I should mention at some point this is the Eagle Eye Podcast, and we're presented by Nissan. He's Ruben Frank. I'm Dave Zangaro. We do have a bunch to get to. We did get good information though from the circus that was Media Night, so we'll get to some of that. But uh, it, look, we all know it's it's kind of a fun event, um, and the players have fun with it. You know, there some. Some players have fun with it. They ham it up. Isaac Samuel was not having fun. Yeah, Isaac probably not the the best guy on media night, but there were there were plenty of players who were having fun and uh, and look, they're trying to just like soak in the experience because it it's not like you go to this thing every year and uh, when they look back at it in ten years, they'll remember tonight because it is such a crazy event. Yeah, um, one of the coaches, I can't remember who at the moment, was saying, you know, you, you, you want to be focused on the job and why you're here to win a football game, but you, you never know when you're going to – it's the last time you're going to be here. So soak it all in, you know, enjoy the moment, uh, you know, as much as you can, and then, and then get down to business. Yeah, and pretty much after media night, it becomes a little more normal. A lot more, yeah. Yeah, there's still extra obligations and requirements, but nothing – like a, a man, a large man walking around in a barrel. <laughs> yeah. I saw that tonight. I saw you ask him to borrow his barrel. <laughs> I have one at home. I, I told him I was thankful I didn't wear it. It would have been really embarrassing for me <laughs> if we showed up in the same outfit. He, um, yeah. Uh, and just, just so you know, so today's, what day is today? Monday? Yes. Today's Monday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, there's available at the team hotel, which is down in Tempe. It's, there, there's nobody staying at the team hotel other than team and support staff and all Eagles employees. So talk about secluded. They'll go from there. They'll bus to uh, the cards facility, um, which is also in Tempe for practice and bus back to the hotel. Everything they need is there. So after tonight, and they're back at the hotel by now, after tonight, um, 
they'll be doing some interviews with us, but there won't be fans there. There won't be in a big arena. They'll be like in a hotel ballroom type thing. Uh, and they're pretty secluded after. I after think today. that guy in the giant stick of deodorant costumes is probably going to show up. I interviewed him. Did you? Yeah. No, I did. <laughs> I could have used some more <laughs> after being in that uh, yeah. that building for a while. But look, it's a fun night. And we did get some really interesting stuff. You had a chance to talk uh, with Jonathan Gannon. Our first time talking to him since uh, since the NFC Championship game, since we saw him yell to a fan that they were going to gut the 49ers. Uh, what did he have to say? Yeah, I asked him about that. And yeah, he laughed and he said, you know, uh, he said, uh, I guess I was in the zone at that moment. He, he told the story about how he was the ramp from 95 uh, south to Broad Street was closed. Hmm. And he was trying to get to the Novacare. It was early, early Sunday morning. He was trying to get to the Novacare uh, to do a, a quick workout and do his call sheet. And he couldn't get there because the ramp was closed. And he said a, a cop spotted him and said, uh, don't worry, Jonathan, I got you. I'll take you through. And they started wending through Broad Street, which is totally jammed. Mm. And so then people recognized him. And he said, I guess I was a little fired up. And <laughs> we had a, he said we had a theme for the week. And I shared that theme with the fans. That was their theme was for the week? We're going to gut them? Yeah, that was their theme. So aggressive he said, I'm not going to say what our theme was. He said, I'm not going to say what our theme was. But I, I guess I yelled our theme out the window <laughs> wow. and and uh and uh, he he, uh, he was you know he said it was all in good fun he said i didn't know it was being videotaped obviously uh but it was he said i, I love our fans it was all cool it was it was in good fun and, and then i asked him about i said you know i mean look his popularity is probably higher than it's ever been not because they allowed 14 points in two playoff games because of the video he should and, have done that a few months ago and i asked him about the I mean, because look, I mean, Nick has talked about it, so it's out there that there's a very loud, uh, I don't know how large a segment of fans out there don't like Jonathan Gannon. I was still getting fired Gannon uh, tweets a couple weeks ago. I haven't got any lately, but um, I asked him about it, and and he said, uh, you know, he said, we tell our players to, uh, you know, all the time about external factors and, and, you know, you, you can't listen to the good. You can't listen to the bad because it can really affect your psyche. Um, good or bad, what people say about you. And I try to practice what we preach to the guys. I don't listen to it. I don't read it. And he's, he is aware of it. And he said he does his best to, to block it out. He told a story about going into a restaurant with his, with his kids and getting cursed out by, by a fan. And he said, honestly, this is one of the things I love about Philadelphia is the passion that the fans have. I, I really do. And, um, you know, and, and then he said, you know, I, I think, I think they're all behind us this week. Uh, so, uh, you know, look, he's, he's a hell of a coach. He's had a hell of a year. Um, and there's, look, they're not going to, they're not going to you know, hold the chiefs to seven points, but there's not a lot of guys I'd rather have running a defense against Patrick Mahomes than Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, uh, it is funny though. It's it, like, what would he have to do in this game to just win over the fan base? Well, people are still pissed at Jim Schwartz for giving up thirty-three points in the Super Bowl to Tom Brady in in a Super Bowl win. Uh, that's a good question. I thought the parade had a little less juice because of that. Yeah, I had a lot of friends who said the parade was really spoiled <laughs> by how many yards they gave up in that game. Uh, but yeah, it, it's. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. I think probably 
10 or fewer points. <laughs> That's pretty tough. Um, he, he also, he talked about Patrick Mahomes. It was really interesting and some of the stuff he said about him, and we'll get to that later in the week. But uh, the one thing about media day, it, as as much of a circus as it is, you, you do get guys, guys let their guard down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's an interview with Jonathan Gannon that never would have had an opportunity to have in Philadelphia. So, you know, you kind of, you get there and, and guys will open up, A, because they have more time. B, it's not like in an auditorium where everyone's taking turns asking a question, and he might clam up anyway. Um, and, and C, I get I have the opportunity to ask him four or five questions in a row and really follow a thread that I'd like to get him to open up on, and he did. So um, it, it was interesting stuff. Yeah, no, that's great. And I was wondering when the heck we're going to get to talk to him. Yeah. Because we didn't get to talk to him last week after the NFC Championship game. When the team gave up seven points again, and he did, you know, he, I asked him uh, after the other stuff. He said he said he was proud of the guys for, you know, not having a letdown when, mm. you know, when when uh, Purdy got hurt and then when Josh Johnson got hurt. They, they, he said we still, you know, play with all the intensity and effort that that I wanted to see. And uh, you want a defense that can kind of taste yeah. the blood in the water. Yeah, exactly. It's a good way to put it. And they did, and I think he was proud of them for that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I'll tell you about my night. It was a little different. A little different. Um, I got interviewed <laughs> by C.J. Gardner-Johnson, uh, which, look, we I saw him with a camera like when they the whole team comes out, and I said, okay, C.J. is going to ham this up. It's a good good night to talk to C.J., and I couldn't find him. We're, we're going around the whole whole building. I can't find this guy. And then they had like a, a Twitch set up. Guys are playing video games, and he's over there recording it all. Uh, so then he comes up to me. I'm like, CJ, let's, let's talk. And he said, okay. And he holds out a fake, no mic, just holds out his hand and interviews me. He He's got a me, mic in the other hand. Well, no, he had the, uh, that was the, uh, I think that was the camera. I thought he had a mic and a camera, but anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So he, he asked me, what did he ask me? He asked me how many Super Bowls I've covered. I told him this is the second one. The other one was 17. He said, what's the difference this time? And I said, oh, it's warmer. That's the biggest difference. Uh, and then he asked me uh, what the best part so far has been, which is a really good question. Yeah. I didn't know the answer. And I told him, whenever we're done this and I get to interview you. Uh, and then we did an interview. And uh, he was one of the guys who's definitely enjoying this moment. And uh, it's fun with him because no one really knew when he got here how he was going to fit in. He had kind of a reputation of being an oddball of of – the, definitely the trash talk was a big part of his reputation. And I think there was a little bit of fear, like how he was going to fit in in the locker room, but he's been such a great fit, such a great fit. Yeah. And, and I think a big part of that is just Nick allowing him to be himself. And a lot of coaches don't do that. They, they want a guy to kind of conform to the coach's idea of how a player is supposed to behave. And uh, Nick doesn't do that. He, he allows the guys to show their personality in, in whatever way, and his coaches as well. And, and players are going to appreciate that. And so a guy who's unhappy and bitter in one place could come somewhere else and feel like I can be myself here. I I can, I can let my personality come out. And we've seen cases of that where like a guy has a bad reputation. He comes here. LeGarrette Blunt. LeGarrette Blunt. Jay Ajayi. Yeah. That year. And this year, I mean, you have like Indomitian Sue early in his career had a reputation. I think he's kind of, 
outgrown that. But I, I was talking with Eagles staffer tonight about CJ Garner Johnson having a reputation. He also said James Bradbury had a bit of a reputation um, that they had heard about before he came to Philly. Really? And we were trying to like, I was talking with the staffer trying to figure out like why that is. And I think it's because James is very honest. Yeah. He, he you know, even with us, like, you know, sometimes a, a player will tell you what they think you want to hear. And James doesn't do that. He's right. just a very honest and blunt person. Uh, so maybe that's rubbed people wrong before. Sure. But you look at, there's so many cases of guys who have had a reputation in other places. And I think CJ is like the perfect embodiment of that. Yeah, there's no question about it. He's a fun guy. Even when he's not talking to us, it's just fun to watch him mm-hmm. in a locker room. He was going around interviewing guys in a locker room. He might he might want a future. Have a future. Might want a career. Sign him media. up. Yeah, he he's the energy matters. And I asked him who he thinks was having the most fun here. Brandon Graham was the answer. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I asked a few guys that, and they all said Brandon. Well, a couple of guys said Brandon Graham because he's just always talking, always having fun. Yeah. Avante told me that too. Interesting. Uh, we couldn't get near Jalen. We'll listen to the audio. Wow, what a, I mean, superstar moment for Jalen Hurts. Yeah. he An hour before this thing started, there you, you couldn't get in there. Yeah, we walked in, uh, we walked onto the floor. I guess it was, yeah, it was just about an hour before it started. And there were already, what, 30? At least. At least 30 cameras, uh, microphones uh, surrounding his podium. It was an hour before it started. Yeah, and the other person who had the the biggest crowd around him, Jason Kelsey. Yeah, Kelsey and and Nick as well, yeah. but and and Howie had a, had a big throng. But um, yeah, it was. I, I think a lot of these guys really. Uh, I think a lot of the veterans really enjoy this because they understand how rare it is, uh, and just you know how some guys play their whole career and and don't get to experience this. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, it was. Hey, you deserve a car that thrills you, a car that puts goosebumps on your goosebumps. At Nissan, we've got everything from turbocharged SUVs to 100% electric vehicles that will make your heartbeat faster. Experience the thrill for yourself and shop your local Nissan store at NissanUSA.com today. Catch all the sports action and more at Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Whether it's the money line or the pass line, there's something for everyone in the great sports book. Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Philly loves the winner. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLING. Opioid addiction is a national public health crisis. The Someone You Know podcast from the Independence Blue Cross Foundation offers inspiring stories that challenge stigma, offer hope, and humanize disease of addiction. Download the new season three of Someone You Know on all major podcast platforms. Rube, we'll get back to media night in just a second, uh, but we have another prop bet here from PointsBet want to get your take on this one. We're going to go through a few of these in these podcasts leading up to the big game. Miles Sanders, who's been dealing with that knee injury, hasn't gotten a a ton of snaps because he hasn't really needed to in the last couple games. His over-under for rushing yards, 50.5. Wow, that's kind of low. I'm taking the over. And now the rushing attempts, 13.5, which is a little tougher, in my opinion, to figure out than rushing yards. I think they're going to run the ball. I actually talked to Shane Steichen for quite a while about their running game and and just how uh, anachronistic it is. And it's a big it, word. It's just teams don't play like this anymore. And I talked to him about why they're able to do to play a game that that teams don't really play anymore. But uh, I'll take the over on that too. That's I'm not as 
I'm not as sold on that. Anachronistic means it's like old timey football. No, it just means it, it, anachronistic means something that's out of its time. So, so like, yeah, like, um, yeah, just something that's from another time, from another era. Yeah. Yeah. So anachronistic maps, like 1950s football. But uh, so, yes, um, I, I'm going to take the over on carries, but I think it's going to be close to that. But I feel pretty good about the over on on rushing yards. Yeah. I mean, even in the San Francisco game, he still had 11 carries. Yeah. And they got him out of there pretty early. Kenny Gainwell had a monster game. I think Miles only has like, I think, five or six second half carries in the two mm-hmm. playoff games. Yeah. And he had 17 in that. Uh, the Giants playoff game. Yeah, so I, I think the over on both of those is possible. Now, I guess there's a scenario where they get down and they, they can't run as much. Sure. But it's tough to to figure out whether or not that's going to happen. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. PointsBet, it's your move. Rube, uh, I had a chance. So the I feel like the coaches on Media Night are some of the best people to talk to because they don't get flooded by reporters. Uh, and I and a, don't get a t- chance to talk to them. Exactly. Yeah. During the season, they're kind of available if you ask for them. If, if sometimes, yeah, sometimes. So I, I talked with Aaron Moorhead for a while um, about AJ Brown and Devonte Smith and just how well that pairing has worked. And it, you know, everyone thinks like AJ's teaching Devonte, but a lot of it goes the other way too. Devonte is really skilled for a younger player. Uh, and they're complimentary. They're competitive. It's been like the perfect marriage between those two. Yeah, it, it really is. That's a good point. And I think they have they have a great relationship. There's there's you know they support each other. They complement each other. Um, they're both under contract for a while, which is important. Uh, yeah, they're there's two special guys, and and like we've seen AJ. I mean, we saw his frustration when he didn't get a lot of targets, but I think ultimately they're both team guys. Um, which, you know, and you can you can be disappointed in your targets. It doesn't make you a diva. Uh, I, I think they're both team guys. I think they're both unselfish. AJ's just a competitor. Uh, but if Devontae has 146 yards, there's nobody happier than, than AJ. Yeah, and so I was talking to Moorhead about how competitive they are. And he said, like, yes, they're complementary. Like, they, they, they have different skill sets, but they can do a lot of the same things. So when they're installing plays and they say, okay – this is going to be your role in this play, Devontae. Adrian will be like, why not? Why why him and not me? And like vice versa. So like that competitiveness is always there. And they're always like fighting for for plays and for responsibilities within those plays. So I, I think it's healthier than you might imagine when like that kind of stuff goes on. Yeah, and they're, and they're both willing blockers. And I think that's a, that's a big part of it. They'll block for each other. Uh, Aaron Warhead had an interesting thing about Devontae. Somebody asked him how how long did it take you before you realized you had something special? And he said, like after like two or three practices, we were like, Oh shoot, we got something here. Uh yeah. So um, Yeah, it doesn't take long with him. No, he's he was really polished when he got in the league. Yeah. But he's I, getting better, which is fun. He's look, I, I obviously AJ is, I guess, technically WR one. Yeah. I d I don't think there's a big gap there. Yeah, I don't think it's a big get. I think they, but they are really complimentary. Like they do different things well. But the things that the other one does 
better, they do well too. Mm-hmm. That's just because they're both very good yeah. all-around players. It's come a long way since the days of Rager, Jaw, and Travis Fulgham. Yeah, I mean, they started Jalen Rager last year. Yeah, that's that, hard to, that was last year. Last year, that's that upgrade is insane to go from Jalen Rager to AJ Brown. Jalen Rager, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna look back at the end of his career and say, "My best years were with the Eagles." <laughs> he's, he's like, "What did he catch? Like six passes this year?" Yeah. That's anyway, enough. I don't want to talk yeah, about him. Way too much, Jalen Rager. I'll take, talk. About uh, but it was good to talk to Moorhead a little bit because those receivers. It, there's a lot of things that make this team special. That's one of them. Yeah, and you know, and he's one of the coaches who's a holdover from Doug Peterson, and and um, I, I talked to him about. There aren't many. There aren't many stout. Roy. Well, yeah, I mean, really, but like of the major positions, it's, it's, yeah, it's that's Stout it. and Moorhead. Yeah, that's it. Um, I, I wanted to talk to um, kind of a little offbeat story about Greg Ward, who has has a unusual distinction of being on the practice squad now of two Super Bowl teams. And in between, he led the team in receiving. I mean, it was, you know, look, it wasn't a great year for Eagles receivers, but at the end of 2019, he was really good when they brought him up off the practice squad. And the next year, he caught 50-some-odd balls and was really good in the slot on third down. He's got good hands. Uh, caught some touchdowns. And he had five touchdowns that year. So started his career on the practice squad in 17. And he's back on the practice squad here. He got hurt in training. Didn't, didn't practice at all. He got hurt really early. Um was on IR, and I think they they do that thing where they cut him, and then his rights come back here, and they put him on the practice squad, and he's still there. And I, I just, I was really, I'm just really struck by the the balance of emotions between going to two Super Bowls, but not being able to, not really being on the team, but being part of it. Uh, and, and he said, "There's no, there's no." You know, ba- nothing to balance. He said, I- "I'm so blessed to just be a part of this organization, to have the opportunity to get better uh, every week, uh, to be in a room with guys like AJ and Devante and, and Quez um, and-, and the other guys." And he said, I-, "I I know, I know my time will come." And he said, "I'm I'm just, uh, I-, I just feel so lucky to be to have a role, and if if it means taking you know practice reps, that's that's what I'll do." And uh, I, I just, I don't know. It's one of those, he's one of those guys, uh, I guess, because, I mean, he was a college quarterback. He's just one of those long shots you can't help root for. He's a hard worker. He's a, you know, he's a great leader. I mean, all the veterans will tell you he's the real leader of that room. He's the oldest receiver on the team. I think he's 27 now, I believe. Uh, he's been here six years. He's one of only seven guys, I think, who, who's been here, uh, you know, for both Super Bowls. And, Interesting story, interesting guy, and those are the kind of stories that I find compelling. Uh, just what's going through his head, being at another Super Bowl and not being able to play. Yeah, it is weird. It's I, five years apart. It's got to be. He, he's got to be the first guy. Got to be because nobody's. Well, I know at least for the Eagles, nobody's ever been on the practice squad five years apart. Yeah. Now maybe somebody somewhere, but you'd have to have a team that's been a, two Super Bowls in. That short a period. And the practice squad just recently got bigger, changed their rules too with having older players. Yeah. So I think, I, I mean, look, I'm not going to look it up, but just go with it. I'm going to go with That's it. That's what you do with all your stats, right? You That's just, right. You I make, make it up, up and go with it. And if they're wrong, somebody will tell make me. Make it hard enough for so no one can look it up. That's right. That's the key. 
Yeah. Uh, one other thing. So you, this just spurred my memory a little bit. You, you were talking about the the receiver room and the other guys. Uh, Aaron Moorhead brought up how good it's been to have Brayton Covey in the room because he kind of brings a little levity. He's always joking around, but he also has a very unique perspective on life. Yeah, um, that's for sure. You know, that. so uh, that's been cool, he said, to see the other guys. Like, when Brayton Covey gives his perspective on something in the receiver room, all the other guys are, like, really listening to it because he's has such a different background from all of them. He, he's one of the most thoughtful players I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, his background, we've talked about it before, but um, he also really believes he could be a good slot receiver in this league, and I like that. He's not happy just being a punt returner. He's like, I, I can play. I can catch the ball. We don't really get to see it. He's been in there at the end of games when there have been blowouts, yeah. but they're running the football. So. Yeah, I don't think he's been targeted, but, uh, yeah, you see him at practice during training camp. Yeah, he looked fine in training look camp. Looked fine. So, uh, it's going to be hard to get reps on <laughs> in this offense. A little but, bit. Sorry, uh, AJ, Devontae, Quez, Zach Pascal. Yeah. Here comes Britton Covey. He's another guy you root for. Mm-hmm. Anything else, uh, thoughts from, from Media Night that we want to get out there? No, I, I thought um, everyone everyone was enjoying it. I, it you know, you, I, I was talking to um, Jason Michael, the tight ends coach, about um, just how how focused the team is and, and how – like sometimes you worry about this environment, this atmosphere, with especially with young players. He said, and he, he pointed to Reed Blankenship, who was doing an interview a few feet away, and he said, "These guys are," he said, "they'll be ready." He said, uh, "You don't worry about this group because they're they're just so focused." That's yeah, that's all you can ask for. I uh, caught up with Avante Maddox uh, because we saw him in that boot. Uh, what was that Friday? Yeah. Then Saturday at practice, he was out of it, but. Uh, he confirmed that it was precautionary. He said he joked with me that he, they didn't want him to stub his toe. Uh, but he said he's already been getting a ton of treatment since he's been here. It's all about just managing him and getting him to the game. It's good news. Good news. Yeah. yeah. Anything else? No. All right. Well, this has been Let's a late podcast. Tomorrow. For the people who listen to it in the middle of the night, we appreciate you. But we appreciate everyone who listens. And you can show your appreciation. Please rate and subscribe wherever you get your pods. If you're watching on YouTube, please click the like button subscribe there as well we'll have good stuff for you the rest of the week leading up to super bowl 57 for rube i'm dave this has been eagle eye presented by nissan we'll talk to you soon